0: Hello and welcome to the Gooners all back again with you guys for the Arsenal trans... Nope, nope, not that one. The Arsenal news show. There we go. Oh, goodness me. you think i will be able to get it right after all this time. Episode 233 or whatever it is. Uh, good morning to all of you. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a fantastic... Start to your week, and uh, you're enjoying the World Cup games that are going on. If you are indeed choosing to watch them, uh, a massive congratulations to Saudi Arabia! What an amazing victory uh, on a sporting level it is. I think they said it's the biggest World Cup shock ever. Uh, it overtook the United States beating England back, I think, in what the fifties. So. An unbelievable result for them and quite the task now for Argentina to overcome a Mexico and Poland side uh, who drew 0-0 yesterday. Didn't particularly shine in their game at all. Uh, Denmark-Tunisia, again, not the biggest spectacle. Um, But Laidouni, I love this guy in midfield for Tunisia. This guy is just peak like, like passion, peak passion is what he is. And of course, France coming out with a big, big win as well. Yes, they will talk a little bit more about that shortly. But good morning to everybody joining us in the chat box. Hope you're good, up, you're well. Uh, good morning to Olu, to Paul, to Matt G, to James. Good morning, Harvey, Stephen, Chris, James, Dave, uh, Rich. Good morning, uh, Amira, Temi, Martin, Colin, Robin, Louis and Vivian. Good morning, guys. And everybody else, of course, joining us in the chat box as well. Uh, really appreciate all the kind words that you put in and the nice comments that you leave as well. Um, I joined Sophie yesterday for a chat about um, Arsenal and the World Cup as well. So if you want to go and listen to that, go check out the Hybrid squad. I did share it across your feeds if you are a subscriber to the Guna Talk. So it hopefully would have popped up on your uh, on your subscription feed. But uh, go over to the Hybrid squad if you haven't checked it out already. Certainly worth a watch. Uh, but yeah, let's crack on with today's stories. Uh, Olivier Giroud equaled Thierry Henry's goal scoring record for France, scores one more he will become the sole highest goal scorer in France footballing international history, which is a credit to Giroud, uh, a real credit to him. You know, we aren't particularly the biggest fans after his antics in the Europa League final or in the celebrations after it, of course, with Chelsea. And despite the fact he said a number of things about his time at Chelsea in comparison to Arsenal, I always had, you know, an element of respect for Giroud, uh, his footballing ability. I think he could have given us more, but uh, fair play to him for this. Uh, fair play to him for getting this record of potentially in the upcoming games, getting uh, that to himself with a 50-second goal, if he can manage it. Of course, he's now he didn't score any goals, I don't think, in the 2018 World Cup victory for France. And he's already got two in this one, replacing Karim Benzema. Very effectively, it seems, indeed. Uh, Beth Mead, unfortunately, got some really, really sad news about Beth Mead. She has suffered a serious ACL problem, uh, which is expected to see her miss probably the majority, if not maybe even all of the WSL season. Uh, This is a massive blow to Arsenal, of course, who lost to Manchester United in the game in which Mead suffered her problem. Um, Arsenal have not been able to really use uh, Vivian Meademar too much she's been uh, unable to take part in as much as she would obviously want to and without Mead there is going to be serious questions about Arsenal's potential title challenge and Champions League uh, prospects as well we wish Beth the best of luck and hopefully she can return um, very very soon but this is a huge blow to Arsenal and uh, maybe it does mean that the Uh, The transfer window, uh, when that opens, will be something that Arsenal will be looking to try and utilise in response to what is a growing number of injury issues in the women's squad. Uh, Arsenal's under-21s were knocked out of the EFL trophy, the Papa John's trophy, uh, away at Stevenage. They took the leads in that game, but unfortunately couldn't hold on. Stevenage, of course, being the senior side, and Arsenal's under 21s traveling to the league's senior side to again try and knock another side out. They've had a really good record in that competition of knocking out senior opponents, but unfortunately couldn't do it this time around. And Stevenage will progress through to the next round. Uh, a number of interesting debuts, uh, or not debuts, but appearances uh, for first team uh, senior. Under-21s players and under-18s players, Louis, Miles Lewis-Skelly was involved. Ethan Nwanieri came off the bench as well. Uh, Lino Souza played. Matt Smith played. Uh, a number of really interesting performances there. But uh, unfortunately, they could not progress through to the next round of the competition. Uh, Bakayo Saka is set for a serious wage boost. This is according to John Cross of The Mirror, who claims that his performances in the World Cup are certainly uh, drawing more attention from around the world, and that Arsenal will be looking to increase upon his £70,000 per week wages to try and get him more in line with what are Arsenal's highest earners. For context, Gabriel Jesus is on around £220,000 per week. It would probably be expected that Saka would be close to, if not, it's even potentially even more um, than what Jesus is on to try and convince him to stay at Arsenal he wants to stay is my understanding of the situation he does not want to leave and wants to find a resolution in his deal which would see him stay at Arsenal for the foreseeable future and hopefully that can indeed be sorted out uh, william saliba very interesting reports indeed coming out of france claiming that uh, claiming that like bukayo saka saliba too could be close to a new contract with the club this is according Uh, to Jonathan Johnson of CBS Sports, a France-based soccer correspondent is his tagline. Uh, He says that it is my understanding when speaking to Give Me Sport on the French end that there is likely to be a contract extension for Saliba at some point in the next couple of months. So this could be a really positive bit of news for us as Arsenal fans, potentially seeing William Saliba become uh, an Arsenal player for the foreseeable. Obviously, I think this is the the contract situation that we're all kind of looking at with an element of um, worry, uh, anxiousness and angst. And we really want to see this deal uh, sorted out by Arsenal because if Arsenal can lock down William Saliba to a contract in which it sees him stay at the club for the foreseeable, it is a massive statement intent from the club. And you would absolutely think that Saliba would be able to um, lock down his position and certainly improve that defensive core that we may even add to in the near future as well. So really massive positive news on Saliba if this report from Jonathan Johnson is believed to be true. And our headline story of the day, both ESPN and The Sun are reporting that Arsenal are stepping up their Potential hopes their moves to try and sign Palmeiras midfielder Danilo. It is expected that Palmeiras will be open to selling Danilo in January. Arsenal are not the only club interested in the player. Both Monaco and Ajax are also intrigued by the profile. However, Arsenal are hoping to be able to convince the player to join and with their prospects of potentially aiming to challenge for a league title danilo's game time will obviously come into question but with the amount of europa league games that are going to be coming up as well i imagine he'd be having he'd have plenty of time to adjust adapt and integrate and assimilate himself into the squad this would be a really good move for arsenal to make uh, i look forward to bringing you an updated tactical breakdown on danilo uh, in the coming weeks as the world cup progresses we will make sure to bring you that on him as soon as feasibly possible But uh, very, very interested indeed about what Danilo could bring to Arsenal. And with the latest reports being talked about, talked around at the moment, there is a good chance as well that Danilo could become an Arsenal player in January so yeah really positive news So really good news stories obviously tinged with the slight disappointment massive disappointment of Beth Mead's injury but some really strong stuff to discuss and we're going to continue that discussion in part two with your questions so if you indeed do have any questions you'd like to throw into the chat box do that do drop a like do subscribe if you haven't done so already we're just over the 40,500 mark yesterday we tipped over that little small tiny benchmark Um, as we push towards our journey to 50K. So please do subscribe if you haven't done so already. But let's go to part two and your questions right after this. Okay, let's uh, jump into the chat box. First things first, Mohammed, Basha, thank you so much for kindly joining up as a member. It was a pleasure to speak to Mohammed on our phone in show that we did uh, last week. Uh, Mohammed brought in some fantastic points. And it's great to see him become a member of the channel as well. Really, really appreciate the kind support, Mohammed, absolutely. And I hope that the chat box is already welcoming you kindly. To the TGT family in full uh, let 's take some questions then from the chat box uh, let 's go to Martin He says, "I watched Poland against Mexico, and what a dreadful game Mexico had loads of the ball in the box, uh, but couldn 't hit a cow 's ass with a banjo. First half of France game was quite good, but then the missus got home, so he had to turn off the TV oh that 's a shame, Martin, surely you could have put an argument in. Uh, for finishing off the game. Uh, Maybe there was plans, but uh, no, there's going to be some interesting games and there's going to be some less interesting games, I think it's fair to say, across the World Cup. Looking forward to uh, watching some more today whilst I'm on shift. And of course, um, we'll be producing our Arsenal transfer daily target watches as well over at Football London. So make sure you tune over to there to get all the latest regarding Arsenal's transfer watches across the World Cup tournament um let's go to actually there was a really good question from josh josh said is signing a new right winger um which mikhaila mudrick isn't a good idea uh, when we already have martinelli Smith Rowe on the right or the left rather and we only have saka on the right hand side i feel as though we should be looking for a quality right-sided winger i think we got our left the right it's the wrong way around josh but i understand what you're asking um the thing was, is with Mikhailo Mudric, I think people are forgetting a lot that Martinelli can play on the right-hand side. That is something I think in the discussion is isn't being talked about enough. And I think that people are forgetting the fact that Martinelli has scored and played at a Premier League level on the right-hand side. Remember the game against Newcastle? Tommy Yasu, ball over the top, Martinelli on the right-hand side running in and scoring. He had also a very good game playing on the right-hand side away at Manchester United in that 3-2 defeat. He was probably one of our brightest, if the only bright spark for us in that game, playing on the right-hand side. Martinelli, for me, can play on the right, and I think that that is being forgotten in the dis- uh, the discussion. In fact, I might uh, do a piece on that a little bit later on today because I think that's important to discuss. Um Let's go to uh, Rojasca, who says, uh, Danilo played entirely in Brazil. How ready would he be to make an impact in the near term uh, in regards to kind of short and long term title challenge this season? Uh, Of course, there is always going to be risk associated with a player that signs. No matter where they're from, there's always going to be a risk. He hasn't played anything other than Brazilian football, and Copa Libertadores football as well. I think he has played at youth level for Brazil. And that will obviously give him some experience as well. It's difficult to know because how might his impact uh, be different to, say, a signing like Tielemans who's already playing in the Premier League or a player like Mudruk who's coming in for the Ukrainian League and the Champions League? It's difficult to know. But what we do know is that we've seen players from Brazil come in and, and, and do well from the start, Gabriel Martinelli being the obvious one. Marquinhos, on his debut, got a goal and an assist in the Europa League. There is no suggestions that Danilo couldn't come in and have an immediate impact. But obviously, the expectations, I think, should be... Resisted from climbing too high about a player that's coming in from abroad, especially a league significantly levels below what is the Premier League. But I think he would still be able to make a significant impact in the team. Um, are the Bellingham links true? Says Undead Minion. They're true in the sense that Arsenal was certainly watching him. Arsenal actually made a number of bids for him when he was at uh, Birmingham but weren't successful. Uh, he will be still on the radar of the club, but being able to get him in through the door is going to be a massive challenge. And as I think it was uh, Fabrizio Romano that was talking about this yesterday. He explains perfectly why Arsenal are probably unlikely to get hold of Bellingham. It's nothing to do with the fact that Arsenal couldn't afford to pay what Dortmund might want. They probably would be able to pay what Dortmund want. The problem is, is that both Man United, Man City, Liverpool are willing to pay Bellingham you know, upwards of £300,000 per week, I would imagine, to get him through the door. Arsenal can't go to that level of contract yet. We are certainly building towards a club that are going to be paying that kind of wage level, but I don't think right now there is justification to break that um, right now. And I think that would be a problem. Hopefully in the future, it's something that we can do. But making belly and Arsenal's highest paid player by potentially more than £80,000 per week might be something the club struggle to justify if they're trying to invest in a player. Um, Dan says, Hi, Tom. Why are most matches in the World Cup having no less than eight minutes added on even with no injuries? Uh, they're trying a new system, to my understanding. Um, typically in the Premier League, what happens is there's kind of just a an assumption, an estimate of what's happened in the game. Substitutions usually rack up themselves like 30 seconds worth of a stoppage. If the ball goes out for a throw in, you don't tend to see the clock stopped. If it goes out for a goal kick or a free kick, they don't tend to stop the clock to add those minutes up. In the the World Cup, they are stopping for every single bit of wasted time, in quotation marks, that there is. In the game, So if the ball goes out for a throw, if there's an injury, if there's a stoppage, if it's a goal kick, if there's a corner, if we're waiting to take a free kick, the ref will stop his watch. And for the the substitutions, the ref will time how long it takes to do the substitution. You know, so it's not just 30 seconds assumed and then an estimate made at the end of the game. So it is a lot more uh, measured in regards to added time, which is why we're seeing so much more between uh, this period of, uh, of games at the World Cup. Am I a fan of it? I am a bit, yeah, I kind of want to see more football, but is that then going to make players more tired in a country that has ridiculous heat, although we do have those air-conditioned stadiums? I'm not sure how that will affect things going forwards. Uh, Inkstemist says, uh, Tom, as much as Danilo may be a great signing, if we're going to push for the title, do you think we have to scope to allow a player time to skettle, uh, skettle? settle, especially coming from another league? I think that there is still a benefit of having a player like Danilo Every player that you have is going to have to transition. Every player that you sign, whether they're from the Premier League or not, is still going to have a certain amount of transition time. It's just part and parcel of what signings are. We have signed players from abroad that have come in and had an immediate impact to the team. We've signed players from the UK that have taken longer to actually address their needs and their transition time in Arsenal setup. So. Whatever happens, there's a risk. I think Danilo would still be a great signing. And I think that actually still with the players that we have, because we still have Laconga, we still have Elneny, and we have Parta and Xhaka. Yes, Danilo can come in and still be an asset, even in the final six months of this season. Uh, Daniel says, hear me out. Last day of the window, two hours left. We pick up nobody and Ronaldo is there. Would you take him on a six-month loan? I think this is the only way that I would even consider it. I still think then it's not worth it. I think the impact mentally on the dressing room, the 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 impact it could have from a negative point of view is still for me not worth it. And certainly not with the amount of money that he would cost in terms of wages, just not worth the hassle. Uh, Dragon says, how vital is it for us to win the league regarding Saka Saliba and other youngsters staying Um, seeing the club can win major trophies regardless of them signing new contracts. I think that from Saliba's point of view, it'd be really big. I think that would certainly be a big convincing factor for him. Less so for Saka and Martinelli. I think they are very much, you know, likely to sign new deals at the club. But Saliba, I think winning the league could be a massive, massive thing for him uh, and for his prospects of convincing him Arsenal is the right place uh, to be. Owen says, hi, Tom. Hope you're good, mate. I am indeed. Hope you are too, fella. Uh, Quick question. In your opinion, how realistic is it that Arsenal sign a player in January? And how big of a mistake is it if we fail to sign anyone? In short, it is very realistic in long to your second question how big of a mistake it is it would be a huge mistake in my opinion not to bring someone in again I talked about this on length yesterday with Sophie on the hybrid squad so I'd encourage you to go and have a watch of that show because I do go into greater detail about how I'd feel about us not signing anyone uh Phil Ed says Tom with Liverpool and United most uh, probably getting bought out Uh, by some wealthy state or consortium. Where do you think that that leaves Arsenal in the long-term competing for the top players? Again, the biggest problem, and this kind of bleeds into the Bellingham discussion that we had, the biggest problem that Arsenal have in competing for the top players on the market is at the moment, they can't offer the wages that both Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool offer these players what Arsenal are going to have to do to be able to compete with these teams is be at the top level in terms of competition they're going to have to be competing for titles be in the Champions League every year and competing for that title as well that's what's going to convince players to join Arsenal and you know turn down a bigger wage at another club that's where Arsenal has to build, and that's why I think, again, leaning into the Ronaldo conversation, Arsenal needs to be a good place to be. Arsenal needs to be a good group that has this dynamic that players want to be part of, and I think a player like Ronaldo would fracture that you know—that unity, would fracture that kind of dynamic that's been built, and it wouldn't be of any benefit to us at all uh dan says if Mudric is 100 million wouldn't you just go for bellingham instead just people again it's not as simple as that because of bellingham's wages um let's go to lewis who says question girou 36 messi 35 ronaldo 37 not just playing but playing in a world cup advances in fitness and nutrition have prolonged elite footballers lives so playing lives of course <laughs> so could jesus be our striker not for five but maybe even 10 years What you should know, obviously, firstly, is that Messi and Ronaldo on their own are specimens of a certain calibre that are just naturally, I think, uh, especially Ronaldo, they're just naturally going into those years, playing at that age, and their ability has carried them through that. Giroud, I think it's stylistic. I think stylistically, he's not a player that relies too much on pace. He's a player that relies on working in small spaces and working in those areas in which he doesn't have to expend a lot of energy. Uh, and I think because of that, he's able to play the game that he is up until his current age and probably beyond. Jesus, I think he's different. I think Jesus, to go for the next 10 years rather than the next five years, would have to adapt his game in his latter stages of his career. I don't think he'd be able to be running back and chasing and getting in the our own defensive third and harrying and pressing. He's not going to be able to do that. I would struggle to see a Jesus past the age of 30 being Arsenal's starting striker for the long term. I think that if you had a striker in the ilk of Olivier Giroud, then I could see it because of the stylistic differences. But you're right in saying that nutrition and fitness and science, sports science have certainly prolonged the playing careers at the top level of a lot of players in the game as well. Um, Bizarre says, why don't we go for Ronaldo? He likes Arsenal and isn't a troublemaker that much. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) Isn't a troublemaker that much. Yeah, no chance. Uh, Peter says, Tom, are you at all worried that if Saka signs his contract before Saliba that it could hinder his contract talks with his agent trying to get him on similar terms? Pete, in the short, I don't care what we have to pay Saliba. Pay what he wants. Get him to sign a new deal. It's as simple as that. Uh, Yash says, hey, Tom, if you've got to choose one, Saka or Martinelli? Sacker, uh, Daniel says, How much is it going to cost to keep Saliba? My mate says 150,000 pounds per week, max. I think he is mad, but I also don't want to give him all the monies, uh, kind of continue with the the conundrum that we have and the balance of the squad. I think 150,000 pounds per week might even be beyond that, uh, depending on what we end up paying for him. So, who knows? We'll have to wait and see, but it could go beyond 150k to keep Saliba. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Let's go to Christopher, who says, Tom, thoughts on this? We're going for Mudrick, push Smith-Rowe to an eight, sign no midfielder and Nelson as Sackers competition. If we get Mudrick, I don't think we'll have any money left. We don't know how much money we'll have. That's the difficulty, and no one does. So don't, you know, believe any old person saying, we have 60, 70, 80-odd million quid to spend in January. We don't know how much Arsenal have to spend. We don't know their flexibility in the market as of yet. I think Smith-Rowe's return is big. It is, quote-unquote, like a new signing. I know we hate that, but it is true. He will absolutely feel like a new signing to come back in January bring more quality and more options off the bench. I think that playing him in an eight is a conversation I've had with a lot of people. If anyone can name me a game in which Smith Rowe flourished playing where Xhaka is currently playing alongside Odegaard, I'd love for you to give me an example because for me, I don't think there is an obvious example regarding players that play in that number eight position in midfield. I don't think there's a great example off the top of my head that I can think of of Smith Rowe playing well in that role. I think he is more suited to playing a wide playmaker and being support to the forward line and potentially number 10 as well. But I don't see it really being beyond that uh, a success in a number eight position yet. I think he maybe could prove me wrong. But at the moment, there isn't enough evidence of that. Uh, Justin says, uh, Tom, I love that Edu has been given a promotion. Who would you think is making these types of decisions, though? I think it's Josh, and it shows how much more KSE are involved. I think it's Josh. I think Vinay is definitely a big factor in this decision as well. I think he certainly will be involved. But Josh, Tim Lewis is another person involved in the club at a high level. I think he will certainly be having a big say in this too. So Josh, Tim and Vinai, I think, are all very much involved in that promotional decision. Maybe even consultations with Arteta, Richard Garlick, as well may have led to that decision. Who knows? Um, we haven't got loads of information about the decision-making process behind that. Uh, Mohammed says, Tom, what are your thoughts on Memphis Depay? I'd go for him as a cheap short-term option if we can get him on a two-year contract. If you told me it was between Memphis Depay and no one coming in in January, I think he is the type of player that I would jump to as a last resort in January to give Arsenal some extra firepower in that window, but I'd be tempted to say we'll give you a contract until the end of this season with an option of a further year. I think that's what I would do to be safe, to not commit over commit to the player. I think a six month contract signed from Barca for what, 10 million quid, if that, maybe less than that. Uh, five million quid, and then a one-year option. I think that maybe is the best solution for Arsenal with Depay. But if it's between him and nobody, I think I do lean towards him more than I would Ronaldo or nobody. The Ronaldo, I just don't see the benefits outweighing the costs of that deal. Um, Let's go to Dragan. says, thanks for reading my question, but I meant how important is it so they don't leave in a year or two where they can win trophies like RVP and others. Oh, I see what you mean, Dragon. Um, I think it's important to show that we can compete. I think winning the title is a big, big ask still. Uh, I think that ultimately we need to see a situation whereby we compete and that convinces them that we can compete for those titles. So there you go. Um, Let's go for... Scrolling down a little bit more. Lynn says, Tom, Bellingham playing with Saka in the England team at a younger age shows that the way the pair links up and do you think long term it would be still worth paying the large fee and what you could bring look i lin there's no one that needs to convince me that i would love to see bellingham at arsenal no one needs to convince me of that what someone needs to convince me of is that arsenal would be willing to pay the money that it would take to get him not transfer fee but wages and at the moment i'm not convinced that arsenal would be able to offer and even potentially what they should offer to get Bellingham compared to what City, Liverpool, United or Chelsea could offer Bellingham at this moment in time. Arsenal's wage bill is significantly less and smaller and lower than what those clubs are. And that's what makes it difficult to get the Bellingham deal done from an Arsenal perspective. Uh, Sasha says, each winter window, we have drama with our team superstars falling out with the manager and playing time. First, it was Ozil. Then it was Aubameyang. Is it Cedric's turn this time around? I don't think so, Sasha. Cedric is very understanding of his situation. He wants to play. He wants to push for minutes. But I think he knows where he's at. And I think he also knows what's ahead of him. Ozil and Aubameyang were two starting level players, abil- players with abilities to certainly start for Arsenal. Their application, though, and their attitude was clearly a problem. And that's why Arteta moved them on. Cedric's attitude has not been a problem at all. I don't think that would be a similar situation with him. And he's far lower in profile. I think Arsenal would move him on pretty quickly and comfortably if they had the choice and still might would this winter as well. Uh, let's go to uh, Skow, who says, I think uh, he would be great in Jacka's number eight position. I assume this is Smith-Rowe. It suits him perfectly. He plays more inside as a left wing, but not quite a 10, like Odegaard, a ball carrier and great off the ball. Again, can someone give me an example or one game in which Smith-Rowe stood out and had a great game playing in that number eight position? He's played that position a number of times. I don't think it's been successful. I don't think I can give you one example off the top of my head. Maybe it's just my awful memory. But I challenge anyone to come up with an example of Smith-Rowe playing in that Odegaard-Jaka role where you think, not Odegaard, certainly more Jaka, that role, that left eight position where he has played before, where it was good. Because I can't think of a single one. I can't think of one example where it worked. I can think of lots of examples when it didn't work but I don't think I can think of an example where it did and that's the problem um so there you go james is 100% smith rose and 8 again I can't get on board with this 100% theory because I don't know of an example where it's worked so how we can say 100% he's an 8 I don't see an example of that yet I still think he's better playing off the left and that's where I personally see his future being in the best possible position um, Maverick says Danilo is the best offensive mid in a crop of also Andre a Fluminense and Joel Gomez a Flamengo he is the best player in Palmeiras with two Libertadores in his time he is just 22 years of age uh, absolutely Maverick, well summed up. I think it would be a really good option for us. Uh, Sco says, uh, you're not comparing the right examples. Well, can you tell me what the right examples are? <laughs> Please, don't tell me what I'm not doing. Tell me what I need to do with examples. That's what I need to be able to successfully have this argument. <laughs> That's the problem that I've got. Uh, quick one Tom up, guys, says Yobby. <laughs> Tom says, about Smith Rowe as an eight, a point. We didn't have Zinchenko at the time helping out. Maybe, maybe that's a that's that's a fair point, Tom. That's a fair point. Maybe Zinchenko's presence would help Smith Rowe in that position. Maybe that's what would help him succeed. But I'd still like some examples from people <laughs> to help me out because I don't have a single one. Gabenga uh, says Smith Rowe number eight, Arsenal against Berlin, in the Premier League in January 2022, uh, Arsenal against Liverpool in the EFL Cup last season. Uh, let's have a quick look at those games. So Arsenal but did we draw that game 2022 uh arsenal nil nil against burnley uh smith rowe and Odegaard played in front of sambila conga we didn't win so uh i know that he might have had a good game still in a game that we didn't win but It'd be great if we had an example of a game that we won uh, that he played. Because <laughs> as examples go, not the best one so far. Uh, Liverpool in the EFL Cup, Arsenal, Liverpool, Carabao Cup. Uh, let's see if there was. So Arsenal lost 2-0 at home to Liverpool. Uh, I want to see the lineups. What were the lineups? Uh, Smithrow, Odegaard and Laconga played and we lost 2-0. So again not particularly the best example <laughs> right now. Um I'm still waiting for a good one. Uh, Messi says, Raph says I think there's two things here. If you're talking about him playing alongside Odegaard, no, but in the forward number 8 to 10 position, West Brom 4-0, Chelsea 3-0 with Lamps in charge, there's been a few. Uh, West Brom 4-0. We beat West Brom. Was it for? Is that the um was that the uh, the cup game when we won 4-0 Arsenal? Uh Aubameyang scored Oh, did Aubameyang score? Hold on. This is 21. Tierney, Saka and Lacazette with two. Smith-Rowe played as a 10. Ceballos and Xhaka played behind him. So, again, that's an example of him playing as a 10. Again, I'm not saying at all that I don't think he can play as a 10. I think Smith-Rowe can play as a 10. I'm talking about him playing as this left eight that people suggest, playing alongside Erdogan. I'm not sure it can necessarily work. I just don't think there is enough examples and opportunities that we've seen to suggest that it can work. That's my issue with it right now. Um, Yeah, that's that's the problem. In the snow, yeah. See, he didn't play as a left eight. He played as a 10 in that game. So it's it's a it's a tough one uh samuel says tom i won the Henri signed shirt thought you should know the last sponsored winner tgt family member oh that's amazing samuel congratulations on your prize sam could you do a big favor could you drop me a dm on twitter or instagram uh, i just need to ask a favor uh considering you that you won only a small thing um drop me a dma and uh, but congratulations that's amazing it's only to ask for you to get a, a selfie with the prize when it arrives to send to the website that's all um, but thank you for that. Uh, Mohamed says, regarding Danilo, I love the guy. However, I followed Artur in Brazil before he joined Barca and was overexcited about him, but it never happened. Neither in Spain nor in Italy. Just saying, it doesn't always work out for players. That's important. There's always going to be an example for every example that worked that didn't. So there you go. Uh, Sco says, but here's the thing. We call them both eights, but actually Xhaka is the one that plays further forward and gets on the end of things. Uh, they are eights. And I agree with Clive in the tactical description of every central midfielder is an eight. Every central midfielder is an eight. Some are more defensive-minded eights. Some are more attacking-minded eights. Some are more um, omnivores, if you like. They they deal with both ends, box to box, if you like, is a more football term. Um, but yeah, your carnivore tens, yeah, your vegetarian your herbivore eights and your omnivore eights i think that's a great way of putting it you know the more offensive uh, you know carnivore like attackers the defensive um vegetable eating ones that sit back this <laughs> is a terrible analogy or oh, your omnivore eights that are both ends of the description well oh, goodness me i've lost my mind um so there you go fantastic stuff um Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. We're going to end the show there before I really lose my mind. Clearly, this whole Edgar and Smith-Rowe thing is winding me up crazily. Again, if you think that you can talk about Smith-Rowe successfully as the left eight being in Xhaka's position, leave a comment in the comment section. Not in the live chat because the show's ending, but uh, if you go into the comment section down below the video, give me your examples of where... Smith Rowe played successfully and why and what it was about that performance that you enjoyed of him playing in that position I might have to do a little bit more research myself just to get the arguments flowing in this area um (laughs) because I just can't see it myself anyway thank you so much guys for tuning in it's been a genuine pleasure I really appreciate your time as always do drop a like on the video do subscribe to the channel if you're new and as always up the arsenal
1: conditions apply five years or 100 miles whichever comes first pro pilot is an advanced driver assist technology driver's responsibility to stay alert drive safely and control vehicle at all times
0: this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans